Hello, all you trauma warriors and trauma advocates. Thank you for being here, for being a part of the Healing Place podcast and tuning in to these inspirational interviews. Uh, just a reminder before the show starts to visit academy.terrywellbrock.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot Terry, T-E-R-I, Wellbrock, W-E-L-L-B, R-O-C-K dot com. There you'll find my courses and coaching. And uh, I have a one day trauma warrior course. It's priced at $29. So great investment in yourself, lots of healing strategies and uh, um, yeah, some challenges in there as well. So an introduction to my to my 30 day be your own hero course. So anyway, just wanted to Again, thank you for being here and uh, remind you to go check that out. You can also sign up for my Hope for Healing monthly newsletter on my website at terrywellbrock.com when the pop-up pops up uh, or up in the right-hand corner is uh, subscribe and you can just go in there and put your email and uh, promise no spam. I will just send you my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter with more inspiration. All right. Well, now for the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Walbrock, and very excited to have with me today, Alex Boyanjou, and he is a psychotherapist that really is focusing on, well, I just told him, I said EMDR, which you all know through these past 200 plus episodes is near and dear to my heart because it was life-altering for me. Psycho-spiritual growth grounded in somatic therapy, which I've learned much about somatic therapy, um, mindfulness, and just a holistic approach to healing. So welcome, Alex. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. I just, again, we, we talked just for a second before hitting record, and one of the topics we wanted, we wanted to talk about is integration of psychology and spirituality, which, again, a topic near and dear to my heart because... Uh, my spiritual journey has kind of gone along this road as I've done the uh, the healing part of it. So, yeah. So it's a great place to start because it opens up uh, an understanding of a deep worldview that is actually integrated. Psychology and spirituality, even though they look like two different descriptions, are, are actually one unified this holistic description that has phases and stages uh, of growth, all right? So when, when we look at psychology, what we're really looking from the Western perspective is what we call healthy ego development, okay? So what is, what is first of all, what is ego and what is healthy ego development, right? Ego, simply, without getting very technical, is, is the way that we perceive ourselves, okay? The way we perceive ourselves obviously then drives everything. And therefore, most of us develop a, what we call from an EMDR perspective, a negative self-cognition, right? And those of you that have done EMDR, what that means is it's the I am something, right? I am not enough. I am, I am stupid. I am ugly. I, I'm, 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 I'm irresponsible. It's all the negative I am's, right? All those negative I am's are, are also ego states, ego perceptions, right? It's the lens. So ego is a lens that we see things through. So what does it mean to have a healthy ego development? Well, that means we have to be able to perceive who we really are 
in a healthy way, appropriate to, you know, our understanding of what has happened to us. Most of us, when we when in, in a, when we go to therapy, we realize that the, the the momentum and the conditioning of the way that we've grown up is no longer working. It doesn't it doesn't work anymore. But but there's been ego development in terms of being able to live life, right? Go to work, have relationships, do things that you like. All of those are ego capacities. But imagine that you know we have a lot of trauma in our life then all of a sudden the trauma lenses the ego and uh, lenses our relationship, lenses our jobs and so forth, right? So we, we all need to develop a capacity to Maslow's hierarchy, cook for ourselves, you know, take care of our shelter, belonging, self-esteem, and then move towards self-actualization. So for Maslow, right? Self-actualization was the spirituality for him. That's, that's what self-actualization happens, right? But you often see if a person is not, doesn't have a healthy ego uh, uh, perception of self, they don't do really well in the world. They, 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 they suffer, right? Well, where's spirituality coming? Spirituality, look at the word, I mean, comes from the word spirit, right? Spirit, and if you really look at spirit, it means light, right? Not, 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 light, not sunlight, but light as in air, air light, right? Spirit is something you, you can't put your hand on. It is, it is not something you can grasp, but you're very aware that when you experience uh, the profound, a profound moment of, let's say, mindfulness or flow, or you, you, a beautiful sunset, you have a moment of like, ah, you know, that moment is spirituality. Now, I'm just playing on this, but every moment is spirituality, and we'll talk about why that that's the case. But in that moment, we experience what a letting go of our ego conditioning. And we have a moment, a mindfulness moment of the now without a lens of our history. You just took the word right out of my mouth. I was about to say, it's very much along that mindfulness, which is what I practice every day. And it's amazing what happens when I practice mindfulness is that when I'm looking at the little ladybug crawling on that leaf and just being in that moment with that sweet little bug, I'm not... I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I'm not, I'm not anything, but in that moment with that, with that little ladybug. And what does that have to do with the ego development in that moment when we're with that little ladybug and we really let go, the lens of our history is gone. Right. And we can experience the spirituality of life, which all of life is spirituality, meaning, meaning the return back to our, essential true nature right right so for me spirituality is a little bit of a misnomer i prefer true nature it it it, it does belong to the buddhist you know uh, world but it, it hits much much more closer true nature right the nature of who we are what is the true nature of who we are what are the qualities that are truly there fundamentally openness spaciousness vitality radiance right these are these are these are our natural our natural states now ego because of its density due to trauma 
blocks the experience of spaciousness, timelessness, and radiance, right? So what do we have to do? We have to heal those wounds so we can be in the present unconditionally. That's the relationship between spirituality and psychology. Yeah. So I so, have a question. Does does so yes. does ego take on so what what are, does ego take on the words of others that we may have grown up with, or, or is are those words just something we store that then blocks out our our ego itself? Well, remember, ego is not a thing, right? It's just more of a processing system, right? It's not okay. an identity. So what happens is, and to answer your question is what we learn from others, right, becomes our own voice. And then we can't separate that from who we are. But most of us have an inkling inside being like, ah, oh, you know, I'm following this voice, but I know that I don't really want to or believe it on some level. You know, you, people walk in and they're like, I keep thinking this way, but I know it's crazy. Well, how is it that I'm thinking this way and I know it's crazy, right? Like, who are there two in there? No, there's just the unconscious habit of what we picked up that's playing on the movie reel over and over and over again, right? And we sit in a the movie theater. When we sit in a the movie theater long enough, the movie becomes very convincing, right? But sometimes we get a moment where we step away from the from the from the you know screen and we go back and be like, "Hey, who's playing this movie back here?" And we realize, like, wait a second, that's not really who I am. That's, you know, and right. these are pro these are profound insights to realize those voices or those because voices literally means thoughts, right? Voices right. are thoughts. Okay, so let's let's make it appropriate that all thoughts are not who we are. Let's 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 level the playing field. The the most difficult thing for every human being is to initially disidentify with thinking, right? And why is it in the non-dual tradition of Advaita Vedanta, we, we start off by saying, I am not my body, I am not my mind, I am not my emotions. And this freaks people out. <laughs> wait a second, wait a minute, like then, then who I am, I, that's a good question then, right? So, that's yeah. that so so those voices they're not who we are okay beautiful answer i mean that's what i always try to remind myself to connect to people light to light soul to soul because that's that's the essence of who we are in in my opinion i mean in, in my thoughts we, we all just have the thoughts a, <laughs> yeah we, we all we, we all have a unique expression in this lifetime right and, and there's an authenticity actually to that expression. We could be, and we're all quirky and weird in that natural expression. That's the point of it. Like nobody is gonna be the same, but, it, but you know, if you meet someone and they're contracted and they're always trying to let that authenticity, you know, live. And then you meet somebody who's done the work and they're just naturally authentic. They're, another way of saying it, they're at ease with themselves. There's an ease. It's incredible, by the way. And the research, very interesting. Uh, was it now three years ago? The Science of Meditation by by Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson, and a beautiful book on the science of meditation. Right. 
And what they saw was they interviewed people who had something like over 20,000 hours of meditation, meditation practice. These were very serious meditators, right? And they were stunned that the interviewers reported the same findings with each individual that they met. And they basically said the same thing. All of them felt authentically at ease with themselves. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. That was that was so convincing to me of the power, the power of meditation practice. See? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I know for me myself, I, I practice it, but then there's those moments again, because and again, it that's why it's a practice, right? <laughs> because there's there's those moments as a trauma survivor where I get freaked out. I, I get freaked out because of body reactions, like almost like that feeling of oh, release is terrifying because I want to pull it all back in and grab it. What is it that you want to grab? Like uh, I don't know. I think I think just feeling like I'm I'm in control, like I'm holding on to to, to reality. It's almost like that floating. Just um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's it's the letting go of my death grip. I think that I've had on things for so long. Maybe that's it. What's yeah. What's What's going to happen if you let go? Just not in your mind, in your body right now. What right. if you what, what if you let go of that? What's going to happen? I don't know. I think that's the scary part. What's going to happen? Right. Try it right now. Try it right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Of just letting go. Yeah, just let go right now. Like right now in this moment, use your breath. Right. Just, just calm down and actively with choice, let go. I want to cry. That's that, that's okay. All right. So so don't don't block that. So you, so you, you let that you let that come. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why later. But you're gonna tell me why why the tears are coming up in one minute. But just let them come. But keep letting go. Ah. Notice how your heart chakra starts to open up. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I caught my breath. That's right. Keep opening up from, from within the body, from the center of the body. Keep opening up. Letting go. See feels like an EMDR way. session. I feel like I need to be reporting. My body feels no, like no, no, vibrating. No, no. That, that, <laughs> Don't worry about it. So let the that's right. The vibe the vibrati is the, your natural state. So just go ahead, enjoy enjoy and participate with the vibrancy, and feel it everywhere from your toes to your head. Feel the vibrancy, which is called feeling alive, and then let that radiance just flow out into the universe, three hundred sixty degrees to infinity. Oh yeah, I feel it like coming out my neck and my arms. <laughs> Yeah, just let it keep, uh, let it keep, and here, and now I'm going to give you the most subtle part of this. Here we go. Stay with this. Now, notice that the observer is made up of the same radiant energy as what you're observing. Go ahead. Notice that the observer is also the same vibrancy. So simply, there's no one there. It's simply just the vibrancy. So now relax the observer 
until all that's left is vibrancy. Yeah, now I feel it calming. So, do you have anything to be afraid of? Not in the second. Exactly. Now, let's return back to practical. You said something that's really important that every human being struggles with that is at one as is one of the cores that blocks us from accessing vibrancy, openness, and timelessness. Okay, here it is. We do not like the intensity of our experience in the body. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. It's a big, it's a big conversation. I say amen, and I've talked about that. Yes. <laughs> when we when we when we look at sort of say thinking, thinking doesn't just happen by itself. Thinking is accompanied by an experience in the body. Right? So it's actually the body which holds all the memories, which then is the actual force and the momentum of thoughts and emotions, meaning that it's, it's, the, it's the sensations in the body that give rise to the emotions and thoughts. Now, let, let's, let's use an example for that in trauma that will help you see how that all links together. And I use a classic example that I, that I make up in, in my podcast. A young girl, she's six years old. She's, she's at home with her, her parents, they're cooking, and she takes a glass of water and she spills it. The father turns around and says, how stupid can you be? Okay. In that moment, she doesn't have much time to process in her thinking or emotions. The first thing that's going to happen is sensations. Okay. How do I know that? Because that's what happens if we pay attention is our body responds first, followed by emotions, followed by thoughts. Now, neuroscience has actually shown, shown that what happens that the first reaction in any vertebrae is going to be sensations followed by emotions followed by thoughts it's very fast it's milliseconds so it's like you know point one, point three, point five, right so because it happens so fast we we don't experience the the steps to which the experience is happening right so this little girl first her body is going to react what does her body do her body is going to tighten up and her body's going to tighten up in, in, in a particular fashion for her. It might be she does this, maybe her legs tighten up, maybe her face. So she'll have a particular manifestation herself. Okay. Then the sensation, then the sensations will follow, which is, ah, oh, emotions, emotions are uh, sadness, anger, grief, right? All the emotions that come out of that. The emotions then solidify the sensations, physical experience. These are the, it's the glue, right? And then finally her thinking happens, which is going to be the self-reflection in that moment. I must be stupid. So then all of a sudden she grows up and she's at work one day and somebody says something to her and she doesn't realize that she had the same physical reaction. Mm -hmm. Followed by the same response that she did with her father and she, you know, whatever she does, she gives in to, let's say, um, a male boss or a partner and feels the same way. So you see, when we make her aware of her bodily sensations, 
what she's going to realize, like, I don't want to feel that. You know, so we, instead of feeling that and then learning how to work through that, we stay at the level of, it's my fault, I'm stupid, right? If we soften up the thoughts and emotions by going to the body and we soften up the bodily response, and how do we do that? The fastest way, most powerful way, breathing. Breathe. Just deep, deep, full breath. Not like <gasps> hyperventilating breathing. That's not deep breathing. Okay? Yogic, yogic, deep breath from the belly. And all of a sudden, the sensations from being a level 10 come down loud to a level five. And then we continue a little bit more breathing. And then what happens is, then it gets stuck at a particular level because we need to do some processing work, right? Yeah. So it, it may not go down to zero, but it goes down enough to be manageable to access the information that's been locked in the body that occurred during the trauma. So then here's the beauty. All the physical sensations that we try to ignore are the doorways to our healing. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you brought up the point about the breathing and getting to a certain level. It's not like you have to go from 10 to zero. Um, no, because, and that was one of the things that I had found when we first started doing EMDR with, in my, with my therapist is when she would talk about breathing. And I was terrified to be in my own body. I had a lot of dissociation in regards to my trauma and going back into them. And it wasn't until we were able, I mean, I could get some breaths and, and calm my system just enough, That's maybe it. to bring it even to a nine. <laughs> but yes. then we could do some processing and then I could start to do and be more comfortable in my own body. And that was so powerful. Like that was incredibly powerful. Work. Did you yeah. did you notice that as the body calmed down and you became more comfortable and being embodied, right? Yes. That you, that your thinking about yourself changed. Yes. Okay, that's my point. So everybody who's listening, you can't change your thinking about yourself or about anything, from but more fundamentally about yourself, because first of all, you're not your thoughts. Number one, but number two is, without addressing where the information is held, you can't change it at that level. So all these psychotherapeutic models that work on thinking fail. It's the somatic approach that gets to the heart of healing. And somatic is, is mind, embodied, body, spirit. Mind, body, spirit. Yeah. It's about becoming embodied. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, again, I could just uh, <laughs> sit and listen to you talk because it so resonates with everything I've certainly been through on my own personal journey. And I know many people who listen in um, or those who, you know, those who are listening and have just been, they don't know what route to go down. So, so I'm just so glad you're offering these insights because it, it really does help people understand the, um, the journey of, of the somatic healing and just how powerful it can be. Well, here, here's uh, some assistance to everybody. We all, we all need guides in, in, in our life, right? And um, it's, it's hard to un, untie ourselves, you know? 
and uh, there's a great there's a great image of a psychotherapy uh, cartoon where the, the, the client has all this jumbled you know yarn above their head and the therapist is uh, you know weaving it into a tapestry right and uh, I love that image because that's what happens you know we, we we can't see the tapestry you know and and people sometimes they'll come into the first session and in the first session I'll help to reveal the tapestry right in the first session it's not that difficult I mean after you know I've been doing this for 30 years so it's not so difficult to see the tapestry they're like oh my god I've never understood that I've never seen that and that's so simple and it really ends up being quite simple you know so we need we need the support of other people, you know, and if you're finding you and I don't mean the general audience is finding that, you know, on your own with your friends and family. Yes, they're great supports, but you're not kind of feeling that you are becoming uh, more free. Then, you know, get the right support of people who know what they're doing to help you. you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And again, I've I've talked about it before on this show that when I went in for an interview with my soon to be EMDR therapist, I was certainly interviewing her too, because we need to know that we have that, that energy fit and that, um, that we're going to be able to work with this person. And it's okay. I know as trauma survivors, I've, I've seen on so many sites like Facebook, trauma survivor, Facebook pages, people who say, well, I've been with this therapist for, you know, 20 sessions now, and I'm just not feeling it. And I don't feel it's almost like a fear to walk away. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you have to let's find talk, the person let's, that fits. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. I, um, when I hear somebody's been in therapy for a long, long time and, and they're saying, I just feel like we're recycling the same thing over and over again, that's not the right fit for you. Right. So that there's a reason for that. Number one, therapy is not about recycling our story. That's not what therapy is for. There's room in the beginning to tell our story. And then later on, once we know the story, it's simply putting the pieces together, how the story got, got there, all the different forces, and then it's the release of the story. And in the release of the story, it's the, you know, <laughs> the rescue op operation of finding out like, I'm not a negative I am, you know? So, you know, it's like a wrecking crew. We got to go demolish everything to find out what's, where's the gem that's, that, that's there, right? So therapy, therapy is about an understanding of how trauma works, how trauma has formed, uh, informed what I believe in, in, in experience, how it's held in my body. Then the active tools to be able to start to release, to have the freedom. If therapy is not doing that, some, something's off. Right. So got to find the right person. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. So is there anything else that you wanted to tap upon that we haven't had an opportunity to discuss yet? You know, this, this, this topic of, of a negative self-perception is very dear to me because um, if you remember an EMDR, it was always based on the negative self-perception. That was the work, right? And I haven't met a human being yet where in the work that they're doing that they don't encounter uh, some form of i i'm lacking something right the words that we usually say is that there must be there's something wrong with me right right 
I'm stuck, there's something wrong with me. But when, when, when we go to the experience of there's something wrong with me, it feels like something's lacking, you see? And this is a very important topic. This is called existential angst, okay? David Loy wrote a good, amazing book called, called Transcendence and, and Lack, right? And, and his whole focus was that our existential angst, and I'll talk about that in a second, is the root of all of our suffering, including trauma, right? Trauma makes us feel more disconnected from ourselves, but we come into being human, feeling like we're separated from the divine. That's the existential angst. And I'm not talking about religious divine. Right. I am talking about the, the interconnection with the source of creation and reality and the universe. The, 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 the energetic space that, uh, that, that is the ground that has given room for all of this to be created, right? We have, you know, it's like, I guess it's a, the fall from the Garden of Eden, right? That's the closest kind of image that I see from a religious perspective, right? We, we feel a fall from the Garden of Eden, right? And we don't know how to reclaim that. And due to our trauma, then we get stuck with the negative I am, feeling that we need to resolve the negative I am to return back to the Garden of Eden. And that, so it's in the resolution and letting go of that which we are not, we return back to our wholeness. Yeah. And, the and then, then the existential lack is gone. The difficulty for most of us is that we believe that life, people, circumstances, situations, objects and things and all those kind of things are gonna fill the lack, right? And all of us, by the time we're 30, can easily say, maybe even maybe 25, can easily say, we've done enough stuff in our life and attempted to fill the lack and it hasn't worked. Right? Why? Because on, a, on an existential level, you, you, if we believe in an imaginary negative I am, no matter what experience we have, that's not going to make that go away. No relationship no money, no experience, no plaque on the wall, no drugs, no alcohol, none of those can eradicate the misperception of who we are. They don't work. So then we're left, if we don't have a guide or, or a path, we're left in a very difficult place. That's why you hear so many people saying, I'm stuck, I feel stuck, I feel stuck. I feel stuck signifies that I've banged my head on the wall trying to, you know, come back to the Garden of Eden and it hasn't worked. And now I'm stuck. And, and you know, what, is, what, is, what does unstuck look like? Depression and anxiety. This is an important space to do that. When we experience anxiety and depression, it's a beautiful sign that it's not an imbalance of our brains, first of all. 
because out of 10 people, biochemically, only one person actually has a dysfunction in their serotonin. That means the rest of the nine people who are put on medication for that reason have an existential issue because they're stuck because due to trauma and the fact that they don't perceive who they really are. Boom. Summarized. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Yes. So if you're feeling anxiety and depression, you have run up against the wall that nothing has worked to relieve you of your suffering. Yeah. Wow. Powerful and just absolutely so accurate. Yes. And what keeps popping into my mind is, and maybe it's just because of me, is that I know when I felt stuck, I don't want to speak for everybody, but there was that that sense of unworthiness, almost like I wasn't worthy to be back at the Garden That's of Eden. That's what I just said to you. So therefore, yeah. the stuck, the stuck is driven by I'm unworthy. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the point. Yeah. Like, it, I, it, like it, I can't take another step forward because I'm really not worthy to take that step towards it. And that's what we were taught. I mean, I understand that. You know what I mean? Now, I want to go a little bit deeper in the existential piece of that. The reason we, we stay with I'm not worthy, right, is because the letting go of that is terrifying. <laughs> yes. I want to talk about. I the, only I laugh because. Terror. Yeah, I laugh because I so relate. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk about the terror. Why the terror exists, right? So, so in in the in the idea, first of all, of letting go of that I am, you know, unworthy. The immediate moment is like, wait a second. Um, how am I going to function in life? I've been functioning from the perspective of I'm unworthy. <laughs> I, you know, I've had a I've had a hammer to deal with everything, and now somebody's saying to me. That, that the hammer doesn't work anymore. Well, I don't know what else works, right? I don't know who I really am. That's terrifying to me. So there's a there's a terror there in 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 in, in putting that down. There's also a terror that somehow we're going to be hurt, or or that people are not going to like us, or that you know. But those are still remnants of the I'm unworthy, right? So we actually do not know from an experiential level, what it's like to have a moment free of I'm unworthy. <laughs> right. So, so, so I would say that when somebody walks into my office, virtually now, <laughs> into, my, into my Zoom space, in the first session, my goal is that they have at least one second experience free of I'm unworthy just one second that's all I need from them once that happens it's like oh right that's what's possible you see otherwise if we go and we go to therapy and we sit with a therapist who does not know how to access that experience it's just like moving furniture in a room. It's window dressing. It's not going to resolve that sense of lack. So the therapist also has to know how to access that within themselves. And 
thereby guide that person to experiencing just for one second who they are without those labels. And then that's it. From there, the work goes fast. Powerful. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had the moment today. You had the experience today. You had the moment. Yes. Yeah, there was. It was that second of. That's what I said to you. You see, just, your, yeah. your, your, your listeners will reflect back and be like, right, you experienced it. Yes. Well, thank so, you. What a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's, it's a gift that's, you know, belongs to all of us. So, yeah. I don't create the, I don't create the experience in you. It's just, it's just a, a support and guide in that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so how, again, I could sit and talk to you for hours about all of this because it's deep and powerful and healing and beautiful. So how do how do folks connect with you? How do they find you? Uh, my website is uh, journeytowholeness.health. Uh, it's a great place to explore. And to be honest with you, everybody can email me, write to, to you know, alexbyandra at gmail.com. I love, I love the dialogue and conversation in this space. This is what I live for and I love. So I'm open to people, you know, reaching out, calling me on my cell phone. Uh, you, you know, you can have my cell phone. They could do that as well. No problem. Wonderful. So, okay. I'm also, um, I'm going to be teaching a eight-week meditation course. Ooh. Uh, starting in September, and it's going to be it's going to be working on letting go of the lack and experiencing our fullness. Okay, so if anybody's in, interested uh, on my um, on my website on the events page, they can read about uh, the uh, the course. Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Sign me up. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the Academy terrywellbrock.com for the courses but if you go to my website terrywellbrock.com you can sign up for my monthly hope for healing newsletter which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for uh, again healing and hope strategies Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.